0: everyone and welcome to the City of Marion's podcast, Literary Anything, a podcast where we talk about literally anything and all things literary. I think I've gotten that wrong again but it's close enough. My name is Andrea and I'm hosting today's show and I'm super super pleased to be able to introduce you to the wonderful Griffin who also works at the City of Marion Libraries. Hello Griffin. Hello Andrea. Thank you so much for coming along today. Thank you for having me. Cool. We're very, very excited. We know Griffin is an ardent reader and we've wanted to have her on the podcast for ages. So we're really stoked that she's here with us today. So thank you so much for trekking up to Cove. It's a very cold, wintry, wet morning. So thank you.
1: No problem. Thank you. It's good to be
0: here. I'm excited. Excellent. Cool. So we thought today we might just crack into the book. Today's book is called Wayward and it's by Amelia Hart. I'm going to read a little bit of the back just to give everyone a sense of what this is about. So it's set in three timelines. The first is Kate in 2019. Kate flees London, abandoning everything for Cumbria and Wayward Cottage, inherited from her great aunt. There, a secret lurks in the bones of the house, hidden ever since the witch hunts of the 17th century. Violet, 1942. Violet is more interested in collecting insects and climbing trees than in becoming a proper young lady until a chain of shocking events changes her life forever. Alpha, 1619. Alpha is on trial for witchcraft, accused of killing a local man. Known for her uncanny connection with nature and animals, she is a threat that must be eliminated. But wayward women belong to the wild and they cannot be tamed. (laughs) 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 It's a very good intro. Yeah, super spooky. So Griff, this was one of the books you sent me a list of things that you were interested in reading and we chose this one. So I was wondering what interested you in Wayward and then what you thought.
1: Yeah, so Wayward came up on my sort of list as something to read. I've been looking into sort of similar themed books so ones that had a little bit of magic mystery maybe that were a little bit you know had that sort of magical realism to it the way would cover I think was the very first thing that got me interested it's in this gorgeous book. yeah it's so bright and so eye-catching and that's the thing about books like we we try not to judge a book by its cover, but it really is the thing that grabs your attention yeah, first for sure so with Wayward, that sort of beautiful striking cover with the, the sort of plants and the, those blue flowers, coupled with that really bright pink yeah, it's that gorgeous. says Wayward. So I thought, wow, this seems really interesting. And that's what originally got me interested. And I read the blurb and I love anything that sort of has a you know a s- historical bent to it as well, so yeah, and it sounded like it was going to be a really powerful story. It's yeah. very much focused on women and and also has that element of sort of maybe magic and witchcraft which is quite popular at the moment. Yes. So,
0: yeah. yeah. We actually right after Griff sent through the list and we chose Wayward we felt like we like totally had our fingers on the pulse which is an unusual feeling for me though you might feel that way more often because we saw an article in the guardian saying that like 2023 yeah. was going to be the year of the witch that there are all of these books coming out and films coming out and tv shows and they i think there was even like there's a retelling of pride and prejudice where Some of the characters are witches. So I sort of felt like, oh, for once I'm going to be like ahead of a trend or on trend. So I was very excited to read this one. So
1: yeah, it definitely caught my attention and was something I would, you know, it had been on my list for a little while. So I was super excited when we got the chance to come and sort of talk about it on a podcast. I thought that was really cool. So
0: Yeah. So now, without further ado, we might get to talking about what we made of the book. And I should let people know as well um, that the podcast does contain spoilers. So if you haven't read it yet and you'd like to, or you're halfway through, Nick, home, finish it up and come back. Cool. So what did you think?
1: So this was a difficult one for me. I love fiction and I love stories, especially. Like I said, I love historical novels, novels centred around women. I also like things that are kind of a little bit magical realism and um, feature maybe a little bit of mystery or historical elements unfortunately, I really did not enjoy this <laughs> at all.
0: Um, Me too. Yeah. I'm so glad you felt that way because I was like, oh no, Griff's coming on the podcast and I'm going to have to tell her I didn't like the book.
1: No, I, I, was, I was really upset because I thought oh, this was no. on my list and I recommended it to you and now I'm like, this was terrible and I feel really awful oh, because no, I no. did not enjoy it and I'm not recommending it to anybody. It is a debut by Amelia Hart and I think... I think the writing was quite pretty, and there was, you know, the prose was very good. She, she's obviously a very good writer. This author, I thought thought that too. Yeah, Um, and you know, you could kind of immerse yourself in the scenery. Like I could imagine all the characters and the places they were really easily. I just couldn't connect to any of the characters. Mm. I couldn't connect to the plot, if there was a plot. I don't Mm. even know if there was one. (laughs) And I did find this to be quite a dark fairly triggering story there were a lot of elements that I didn't expect it was quite detailed quite graphic it kind of painted the women in the story as being victims across Mm. the generations like all these women Kate who is like the modern day lady in 2019 Violet in the 1940s and Alpha back in the 1600s like they all sort of connected by this bloodline but they all shared very similar history and it's sort Mm. of like they didn't learn anything from Mm. the history that they shared and the same patterns just repeated over and over and it was very I don't know it was a little bit sad and very dark and I was kind of towards the end I began to sort of skip a few passages because I was just hoping for so much more I was hoping for something to happen I think I was also hoping for more more magic I think You know, these women are meant to be connected to the natural world. They're they're meant to be sort of green witches. They're meant to be able to control birds and bugs and insects and things like that. They're meant to have some kind of amazing hidden power. Mm. And you don't really get a feel for that until right at the very end. And then it's only like a page or two where things kind of happen. And then it's done. It's super confusing what's actually happening as well. Yeah, it's really confusing. (laughs) And I, I was reading through it and I just couldn't connect to... Any of the people in it, and yeah. I just yeah, and all the men that were portrayed in this story were so awful. I know, so terrible. Which you know, it's I I guess that's sort of the theme of the book. But I just yeah, I couldn't relate to any of it. It was just pretty bad.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. I feel quite similarly. I yeah. like you. I found it quite well written, and I was really yes. enjoying it for maybe the first fifty or sixty pages. Yeah, I me was too. Just like, oh, this is great. This is like the sometimes historical writing can be a bit on the nose and you, you feel can. like everyone wants, they all want to show off how much research they've done. Yep. But I thought she did a really good job of balancing, you know, she throws in a few phrases here that sound a bit yoldy, and, yeah. you know, so we know that we're in the kind of era of the witch hunts. And then when she moves on to the 40s, it has a feel of like, I thought, oh, maybe it's going to be like a Daphne de Maurier kind of novel, like yes. a kind of slightly gothic woman in a fancy old house that's decaying, bloodlines coming to an end. I thought that seems fine. This could be fun. And then Kate is the character in the kind of modern day who's fleeing an abusive relationship and going to live in the countryside, essentially in hiding. And she's pregnant with her first child and figuring out what she's going to do. And I thought, oh, this could be nice. You know, she's going to be, she has a cottage in the country. This, This all could be kind of promising. But just like you, I felt like it had so much promise and it never kind of lived up to it and no the plot did feel to me to be about almost like the inevitability of violence against women and yeah I sort of I think maybe it was my expectations were wrong I think because lots of the you know recent spate of writing about kind of witches and reimagining as witches has yep. been about thinking about like women's empowerment and what women's experiences of oppression have been like over history and stuff yes. I think maybe my expectation was that the witchy stuff would kick in at some point and there would be this kind of gratifying moment of like transformation or something like yeah. that when, you know, the the historical experiences of these women would be distilled in some kind of moment and they, you know, maybe it was Kate or maybe her daughter would kind of transform their history sometime. There'd be a yes. sense of change. But there sort yeah. of isn't really. Like, no. It just sort of feels like women's experiences of the world is an inevitable one of violence, sexual assault. Um, a denial of kind of agency and I just found that kind of obviously those things are parts of women's experience of the world but they're Mm. not entirely (laughs) women's experience and women's have agency you know Kate takes agency fleeing to London and or fleeing from London yeah but it was just so kind of relentless was I just found it really grim and by the end like you were saying when you know Kate we will include some spoilers her partner that she's fleeing finds her Rocks up at the cottage she's staying in. She's on the cusp of giving birth. She's very pregnant, very vulnerable. But she has now, through a collection of diary entries and letters and newspaper articles, pieced together a kind of family history and she kind Mm. of knows that she is a a kind of woman in a lineage of witches or women with kind of powers. Mm. And she kind of decides to use those powers to fight against her partner. So there's like a... An attack of birds, I think he yes. kind of breaks in. He's attacked yeah. by birds. He doesn't die or anything. He just seems to get he injured. Just get very injured. Ugh. And then there's this slightly deflating thing as well where he gets arrested for assault and there's going to be a court case. But even if he gets done for it, he'll be out in two years. And yeah. <laughs> it just feels like all of this build up. And then it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> well, I guess you'll That's have to deal it. with him in two years. And then I suppose there's an inevitable thing of like, even after what should have been this big climactic moment, yes. she'll still just be, you know, in a couple of years, she'll have to fight this guy off again. Like, yep. he's just going to be... The cycle will continue. Will continue. And exactly. then things will
1: get worse. And then there's no real, you know, look into Kate's daughter's future either. So no. the, the interesting thing I found about this book is that obviously people from this, this line, this family who had the original name Wayward, which is to mean, you know, like a wild woman. Mm. They every single woman from this line, their first child is always a daughter, and that daughter will inherit the sort of the sort of bloodline and those powers and all that kind of thing. And they'll repeat this cycle. And mm. it's kind of towards the end, I was just hoping that maybe Kate had really stepped into her own and you know harness these powers and not only was she going to protect her daughter she was actually going to make sure that her daughter would not sort of continue this cycle and you know get into an abusive relationship Mm. with a man herself and then also have a daughter through you know terrible things such as rape or Mm. things like that and then continue the cycle again with her daughter and yeah so there was no real wrap-up to show that they'd really learned anything, even through all the generations. When we look yeah. through the letters that Alpha was kind of writing, she was on trial for witchcraft and, you know, in the 1600s, it would have been a very tough time for women in general mm. and women who could heal people and and help people were, you know, often seen as having some kind of extra knowledge or power, working with the devil and and men were obviously very highly regarded. And so anything they said against a woman, you know, their word would mean nothing. And so it was interesting to read her story. I think hers was probably the most interesting out of Mm. all of the timelines. It just fell a little bit flat at the end because I knew what was going to happen. I knew... Why Arthur was on trial for witchcraft is because she'd, you know, disturbed this herd of cows who ended up trampling and killing a husband of one of her very good friends, her good friend who had been abused by her husband. So Mm. I knew that that was all going to happen. It just took so long for it to be revealed. And then by the time it was revealed, I was kind of left a little bit disappointed I suppose yeah. I'm like oh I already you know you can kind of guess what's, what's coming in the story and yeah, then when it sure. is sort of unfolded and it is revealed I don't know it just wasn't as it had, didn't have any shock value it didn't have any resolution and the thing that really threw me with Altha's character as well was that her mother had raised her alone and was such a strong wild woman and was obviously very much A witch and a healer Mm. and she had a familiar who was this you know like a uh, I think it was a crow Crow. or a raven like a crow and they knew that these crows were like particular familiars for their family and would help them in their time of need because they had this pretty white patch on them Mm. so they knew that these sort of animals would help them and so that connection with nature and healing and animals was really strong in her mother and she passed that to Alpha but then once they found out that people were getting put on trial for witchcraft. Her mother just sent that crow away. She Mm. stopped all her healing practices. She kind of went into herself and became like a shell of herself and ended up passing away. And Altha was sort of really shocked by that and really rocked by the fact that her mother, this you know really rich, amazing woman, all of a sudden Mm. became just like a shell at the end and just wouldn't look after herself and kind of passed away. Yeah, but I think the thing that shocked me the most was when Altha learnt from her mother that she was going to carry this bloodline on, that this particular sort of magical bloodline would be carried on to a firstborn daughter and then that daughter would then carry it on to the next mm. daughter and so on. And so her mother's advice was to just find a man, get yourself pregnant have a daughter but then leave the man like Mm. don't he's not a father he's not a part of your life or your daughter's life so she went and found a seemingly nice man lovely
0: to be honest (laughs) I think
1: out of all the men in this story he besides Violet's brother perhaps this man that Alpha found back in the 1600s to have a child with seemed actually very nice he did yeah but she just wanted to take he seeded, just wanted <laughs> to have a daughter, and then just didn't want anything to do with him. I, which I thought
0: was kind of cruel. I know <laughs> so, he's been so nice to. Like, he was actually not like really you have nice to be nice to men who are nice to you, but no, but he, yeah, she did seem to really like him, and she had yeah. fun with him. She goes dancing with she him and, and at the and some big party they had like a big festival. Has. That's and, right,
1: yeah, and they seem to have a actually decent connection, unlike yeah. a lot of the women in the story who were you know, they were abused or they were taken advantage of and that kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, that kind of made me
0: a little bit sad. Yeah. I wasn't sure
1: to make of that at the oh, end of the story. I was a bit bummed
0: about that too. Yeah. He did stand out. So I think he stands out as really lovely and I think mm. he might actually be a Kirby. And a Kirby is a family name that recurs throughout the story and I think one right. of the Kirbys cares for Violet as well when she's a little kid and she's ah. the one who lets Violet keep a little necklace from her mum. Yeah. Because her mum... Violet's mum has died when she was very when young. When she was quite she young. doesn't quite know what's happened, but she mm. has hardly any keepsakes of her mum. No one will tell her about her mum. Oh, so there she you has go. this little necklace, and I think it's a Kirby, so ah, I think he was a good pick. See, I egg.
1: didn't pick up on that, so that's good. So there's like another family line who was kept on and like kind of protected the way yeah. women in a way? Yeah, and that's just nice. treated them
0: decently, so I yeah. thought that was nice. But that is. I, I agreed that one thing I did kind of like about the book, and I did think the book did well. Was talking about their relationship with nature and yes. their familiars, and yep. I sort of like. I don't read many books about sort of witches or magic, but every time one of the crows popped up, I was like, "Oh, it's building to something cool happening!" And I know yeah. I love crows and I love the
1: animals, and I thought that
0: was yeah. exciting. And yeah. every time they start gardening and all the like animals start flocking to them, yeah. or I really liked all of those elements, and Me I sort too. of wanted them to make more of it, and yep. because there was something just kind of just really enchanting about it. Like there it was. is really lovely the idea sometimes. So much of the book, particularly Violet's thing, is set in kind of like a British summer mm. and there's, you know, there's yep. just insects everywhere and she's so kind of taken with them and she's yeah. such a like unusual she's about sixteen or seventeen, but she feels much younger. Yeah, she does. So I sort of wanted more of that. And there's a section where like Kate at the end is starting to tend to the garden in the cottage that she's living in. And she sort of talks about how gardening makes her feel really connected to herself yes. in a way that she hasn't for such a long time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I wanted more of that. But Me too. And I feel like sort yep. of when all the wayward women disconnect from nature, yeah. they experience Eltha's yes. mum, this sort of really sharp decline. Like I think mm. it might be Eltha who says herself that a connection to nature is like breathing for them. Like if yeah. they don't have it, there's a section where Violet is essentially told by her father that she needs to be more ladylike or else she's Mm. going to be sent off to a boarding boarding school or something like that and she'll be she won't have a connection to nature so she actually Mm. essentially locks herself in the house and I thought that was a kind of nice metaphor for when women aren't fully capable of being themselves and being able to follow their interests and take their own interests seriously and carve a path for themselves that's unique to their interests and experiences and yeah. what they want to do with themselves, the way that kind of can make you feel like a shell of yourself. So yeah. I thought that actually was a kind of effective metaphor as mm. well that, and the way that can kind of lead to this kind of depression, withdrawals and, yeah. you know, that can make maybe your relationship with your children, especially your daughters, kind of fraught. Like mm. on the one hand, Alpha thinks of her mother as this woman with incredible, remarkable gifts and she's just watching her decline and she's sort of like, well... There isn't, like, a role model for what I want to do. I don't want to just hide my gifts away. So she sort of has to kind of figure out what she's going to do. Yep. Is she going to essentially betray her mum's advice and act on her gifts and in spite of what the outcome may be? Maybe, yeah. Or is she going to hide them? And she sort of finds, like, a third path through that. Through that. But I thought, yeah, I did sort of, on reflection, I think – They did that quite well. and I I think so too. I think the original thing that attracted me
1: to the book was, besides the blurb and the actual cover, was the fact that it was about, it talks so much about nature and about being the connection to nature and them sort of having this healing green witchcraft about them. And I did quite like that, even though, same as you, I wish there was more of that. I Mm. wish there was more magic and more enchanting features and that they kind of connected to nature a little bit more than they did in the story but I yeah I really like that metaphor of that you know without this connection to the earth and without sort of connecting themselves with the natural world whether that's with the gardening or with insects or or letting the birds kind of come to them and be their friends and their familiars without that they kind of lose a part of themselves and withdraw and become you know very ill or mentally unwell or emotionally unstable mm. and that's interesting especially in our sort of current climate you know we find that we are really busy with everything that's going on in our lives mm. especially as women we have to tend to children we have to work full-time jobs we have to do all the shopping the cooking that kind mm. of thing and we might not have enough time to get out into nature and to you know take the time to simply just be i suppose to just exist and maybe look at a tree or listen to yeah. the birds or get in the garden and i find that people who do that who kind of take the time to do a bit of gardening on the weekend or or go for bush walks or mm. things like that have a little bit more resilience or have a little bit more you know happiness to them just generally so yeah i've always been interested in stories that kind of connect the natural world to a sort of a magical realism as well. And I think that was actually a very well done part yeah. of the story, in spite of all the kind of grim and sad. Yes. Elements that was very well done. Yeah. And I just loved that bit where, you know, Kate in modern day times, after she fleed from her partner and she was living in this cottage away from London and she wasn't sure why it had been passed down to her or what the reason was, and and she was out in the garden and all these animals were coming to her and she kind of was overwhelmed and mm. wasn't sure what was happening, but it was sort of like she'd kind of found that light inside her, like she had that power and that connection, and it was obviously I think it was her coming into herself and all the past bloodlines of her ancestors mm. were filling her up and she kind of understood finally why she had always been so different and why she always had yeah. so much trouble living in the city and all that kind of thing.
0: So that yeah. was good. That
1: I think that was very well done. That was. And I think yeah. there is
0: a moment when, like one of the reasons Kate feels like she's ended up in an abusive relationship is because she blames herself for the death of her father when she was yes. a child. They were crossing the road. She was distracted by a crow, ran off to, you know, catch the crow, her dad goes to grab her, her dad gets run over by a car and dies. So she sort of has this long thing of blaming herself. And then she has this moment of forgiving herself towards the end and realising she was just a child. She was a child who was curious about the world. She didn't do anything wrong and that it's not her fault. And so that did give me like a kind of bit of hope. It did, yeah. Maybe, yeah, in her relationship with her daughter Maybe things will turn a corner. Maybe yeah. they won't be quite so grim. but Hopefully.
1: There was definitely hope at the end of yeah. things maybe resolving or getting better, I
0: suppose. It was hard to tell
1: if that was going to happen yeah. or not due to the, you know, the years that all these women were apart and yet they all fell into the unfortunate same cycle as each other. So, yeah, there was a bit of hope at the end. And yeah. yeah, I was hopeful for, I think mainly for this, this lady, Kate, I was hopeful that her daughter would grow up and – you know, experience the countryside away from the big city and also have a very sort of healthy relationship with her mother mm. and actually learn
0: who she was from a early age and yes. kind of, yeah, and get the help that she needed as she grew up. Yeah, so. and kind of be the first generation, I suppose, since Alpha or maybe Alpha's mum that kind yes. of knows from birth who she is and is supported in becoming you know, who she wants to be from a young age and yeah. figuring out how she wants to use her powers or what Absolutely. she wants to be like in the world. and Yeah. So hopefully, but I did find, I sometimes feel like this when I read books that have got magical elements. So my, I think it's because maybe I don't read them very often. So when they are there, I hope for some kind of escapism. Like I kind of hope at some point that the magic will come together and it will give you this exciting payoff. That it kind of won't be too realistic. That <laughs> this thing, something that mightn't happen in the real world yep. will happen within the book. So in this, I think I was just hoping for the magic to kind of be bigger and more magical and Me too. more transformative and stuff. And then maybe that is tempered by, you know, perhaps for the author wanting to kind of say, in spite of their powers, some of these structures and forces that exist in the world will still impact on them and you can't just magic them away you do have to think about yourself as a person or develop yourself as a person or think about your history or how you were raised or where you come from or something like that but yeah I sort of get that but and I can see that writing in that way is useful but just reading it, I was like, yeah, but they can do magic. So I know. I can, that's exactly I why. They can do I magic had, too. Like they're pat- – like they have – yeah. yeah. I know. I, I thought- can get that from any book, but – you're writing about magic. You're so. writing
1: about magic and a very particular kind of magic. Yeah. You know, these aren't witches who, you know, they stir a cauldron and then they summon a spell and they set people yes. on fire and things like that. They're obviously green witches. They have a connection that's deep with nature and has obviously happened for generations. Even Altha in the 1600s, she talks about what she learned from her mother and how the women before them, before they were even called wayward, like they – you know, they had a very strong bloodline that was always connected with nature and people would flock to them in mm. order to become healed and to receive medicine and all that kind of thing. And, you know, they would always have the birds with them, like these beautiful crows, or or they would be able to communicate and work with things like insects and and garden and the natural world. And it was all kind of interconnected really, really well. But, yeah, I was very sad that there wasn't more escape from reality yeah. It felt very bogged down in reality yes. like you and know like, this is London this is a cottage this is a place and it was all yeah it was all too real if that yeah. makes sense I am the same as you I was hoping for I mean with stories that are magical realism it suspends belief a tiny bit but a lot of it's based in the real world We where we can kind of connect to real places or real situations but this felt a little bit too much and Mm. a lot of the description I found quite uncomfortable and quite graphic and Mm. you know these women were abused they were taken advantage of often and I think some people might not they'll get part way into the book expecting something yeah. like I think we we probably had some expectation around what the story was as it unfolded but then it kind of took a turn and yeah so I'm always a bit mindful of recommending yeah. novels to people that might make them feel very uncomfortable or might not I mean this isn't a book that this isn't a summary happy read no, by it's any not. means it's it's, not. it's historical the writing is quite beautiful but the content is very very dark yeah it's it can be hard to stomach in places and by the end I found I was not up for reading anymore about any of the abuse of these women obviously they'd been through so much and they'd stepped into their power in the end even Violet in the 1940s I quite liked her story towards the end Me um, too. I, I actually quite like the fact that she had that revenge like she got back yes. at the
0: person who abused her that was the best use of magic in the book I. it reckon. was
1: actually very good <laughs> it was very good and so you know she sent a plague upon this guy's house who you know ended up inheriting her and her brother's estate so they were outcast from her father essentially and and this guy I can't remember his name now but he took advantage of her when she was like only 16 and 17 and she got pregnant and then there was all this awful stuff about having to get rid of the baby and what she was going to do and and so her father basically just wrote her and her brother out of the wheel and were like no I'm going to leave everything to your cousin and so the cousin inherited the whole estate and became like the new the Viscount. The Viscount, <laughs> which is always an interesting term. He became the Viscount of that estate. But the way she got back at him was to finally, you know, step into her power as a witch, I suppose. Although They never really say that's what they are. No, it's they never use the word. I think they actually to. say
0: in it that witch is a word used by men to describe women or something like that. that It gives the person who says it power and it takes power away from the person described. They never use that
1: They never really use that. But so, yeah, so she infects this whole place with with bugs and and they hatch in the summer and then the whole estate is filled with them like constantly and they just never go away. And so this guy lives to a ripe old age obviously. He gets to be quite old and he's alone in this house and everything's shut up and he's gone bonkers, And he's and gone nuts sense, yeah. because he's <laughs> been he's been plagued by these bugs for for years and years and years. Um and I thought, well, you know, he's quite an awful person, so that was kind of a nice little revenge piece, I suppose. Yeah, I really like that.
0: that That's something really gothic about this like old Viscount trapped in his, you know, the his crumbling mansion mansion that he's won through like misdeed and violence or something like that, going absolutely kind of nuts. There is like a poignancy because these insects come out. I think they live for maybe one day during yeah. summer or something like that. And as a child, Violet finds them so enchanting, and she remembers telling him about them and how kind of magical she finds them. That's and right. That's, I yeah. think on the same day or the same week that he ends up kind of raping her, mm. and so it's this kind of torment. That's like it's not just about the insects; it's also a constant reminder of what constant he did reminder. to her yeah. when she was a, a kid. So yes. Yep. I thought that was a the best use of magic in the book. I was just like, Me too. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty like, good. i can't take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think Kate tries to go, she's trying to piece together the family history. So she goes to mm. I think the old folks' home where he's staying because he's just gone nuts essentially. Yep. And she, at this stage, has like cut her hair. So she looks a lot like Violet. And he takes one look at her and just like loses it and freaks out. And so there was yeah. a kind of, she had her revenge, I guess. But yeah. It did speak to like she is banished to. Her mother's family cottage. So yeah. her mother Elizabeth, I think, was her name. Grew mm. up in poverty and was picked by the the rich son of you know the fancy family in town to become his wife, essentially. And she gets banished back there. But also, there's this nice thing where her brother Graham yeah. also essentially has to make a choice. He can stay with his father and he can inherit the big fancy house, yep. or he can support his sister, find out more about his mother, his grandmother, his I guess matrilineal line and legacy and you would think he'd choose his dad because every single man in this book bar maybe one the Kirby fella at the start yes. is just awful it's just like the embodiment oh, of terrible. awful yes. maleness or something like that but he chooses his sister and he does mm. this really kind thing he promises her that once he becomes a lawyer and is making some money he'll make sure that she gets to go to university and study science yeah. and they never make a big deal of it but you know that she does when she's about 26 yeah. she goes to uni and that he sort of financially supports that. So Yeah,
1: I love that. I think Graham I was one of the standout male characters. He's a total and, champ. Like
0: and he did great. so
1: well. And yeah, and it, I wish there was a bit more of the story in between. Like when Violet mm. went to university and she ended up being this incredibly well-travelled woman. She went... Yeah everywhere she went to study insects across the globe and it's just her story sounded so rich and fascinating we didn't get enough of an insight into that or to Graham either to what happened to him afterwards and because you know Violet ended up not having children of her own so she could not pass down the bloodline but Graham did and so his daughter then passed things down and yeah it was interesting that there was a male bloodline to this as well as a female one but I I think it was the women who ended up you know, sort of inheriting the power. Yes. But, yeah, but the men could also be good as well.
0: That's they what could I be thought kind was interesting because yeah. she was saying, she was contemplating, should she tell Graham about this family history? This is this piece of the history that she never tells him. And she decides, no, because even though he's a good man, he's still a man. And yep. I was sort of had that feeling that like you of being... The book just seems to give no scope for the possibility that even in imperfect circumstances men and women can forge some relationships between yeah. each other that have some element mutual support or yeah. solidarity or friendship. Exactly. Or that there yeah. can be a possibility for that too, even if it's not a romantic relationship or in friendships or in family relationships, like a yeah. range of different relationships you might have, men and women might have, that there could be some element of them that is just fine. <laughs> I <okay."> know. Because <laughs> I think, like I you know. were saying before, you could kind of argue that, This book is almost a horror novel about women being stalked through history Mm. by just embodiments of male awfulness. I think so. In different generations. I suppose one thing in reflection it also does quite well is it talks a bit about romantic language and how Mm. they can lay the grounds for sort of coercive relationships in a way. So, So both Kate was in a relationship that had was a violent relationship and she spends some of her chapter reflecting on the early dates and her early experiences with Simon trying to understand where the coercion kind of began, began. and, and yeah. she identifies in some of those you know big love bomb kind of experiences the seeds of something unhealthy and yes. the seeds of something coercive and she reads letters that the viscount I think his name is Rupert sent to Elizabeth yes, Violet's right. dad and she's sort of examining critically the romantic language, like I must have you and, and that all sounds very romantic and is the stuff of kind of like bodice rippers and stuff. Yeah. But actually it can mask some not-so-great kind of elements either. Yeah. So I, I think she I broke some of that down really well. The mm. problem then was it feels like there's no space in the novel to think about what might what might a good thing look like. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's part of – human experience too and it's part of people want different types of love and yeah what could a healthy relationship between men and women look actually
1: look like yeah
0: and what like there's a little bit about her kind of coming into women coming into their power and understanding their needs but then Mm. sort of thinking about what changes men could make we sort of see glimpses of it in graham he's very different to all the men in his bloodline but he's never really investigated as a full complete person no and even like the kirby fella back in the middle ages like He's acting towards Elthar in a way that's very different to any of the other men and women alike in the village Mm -hmm. in the way he supports her and is kind to her in public and in private. Absolutely. um, And isn't sort of on the take in any kind of way. Quite the opposite, I think. So I sort of feel like it does a good thing for examining unhealthy dynamics, Mm. but it would have been really nice for it to create a little bit of space for something good. Yeah, I agree.
1: I like that she actually went through and examined the reason for all of these women to have ended up in these situations and besides alpha who obviously had kind of stepped into her own and could do whatever she wanted she didn't have to have a man if she didn't want to and that kind of thing but i think especially with kate and with violet and with kate's mother who she never met that kind of thing is really interesting because it's it, it could have been fleshed out a little bit more mm. and they could have resolved it so well in the end you've got the reason why kate attracted this Terrible guy in the beginning. And it's obviously because she was quite attractive and actually had this kind of magnetism about her that just kind of attracted this awful guy Mm. to her and there's that love bombing thing where you know I must have you now and yeah you're you're incredible and and then she just kind of gets stuck and can't get out of the relationship for the life of her or thinks that it's dangerous to leave and that's always a terrible situation to be in and Mm. yeah and then you read the letters from the past where it's the exact same thing that this rich you know this rich man of this amazing estate is absolutely besotted with and taken with this woman who you know she doesn't have Violet's mother. She just doesn't have any money to her name. Like she's grew up in poverty. And mm. why would he even take a second glance at her? What was the reason for that? And it's this kind of a heady relationship. But then when they get together, it's the man just kind of turns and yeah. he realizes like why was I so besotted with this woman and treats her really awfully. And in the unfortunate case of Violet's mother you know she ends up going quite mad because the father is locking her up in the house and won't let her out to see anyone because he's ashamed of her Mm. natural behaviors and yeah she ends up passing away and it's all very terrible so I would have loved there to be that sort of modern take from Kate at the end you Mm. know it's awful that I got into this situation but then you know I'm kind of reflected on that and I understand that and then maybe introducing male characters who could have offered that friendship or had that mutual respect between between the two of them but there really wasn't which was very sad and I was hoping for maybe the males who were of this bloodline of this wayward bloodline to also have a bit more of I suppose maybe they could have had power too like Mm. it it wouldn't have had to been the same as the wayward women like they wouldn't have had to control Nature or be close to insects, but if they had something, it would have you know made the connection between, especially between Graham and Violet, really powerful and really lovely. And
0: yeah, I was just
1: hoping for more. I suppose. Yeah, me
0: too. I think that I guess maybe that thing like what your expectations are versus what someone's actually trying to do. But yeah, maybe there should be a sequel that's written from Graham's perspective, and it could be about because there must be some if his daughter or his granddaughter yes has powers then there must be some way that men pass it on there must be something there must in their be bloodline something too. yeah my husband's a geneticist so I feel like he's in ping 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 in the back yeah. of my head going well actually <laughs> uh, but yeah so yeah. I sort of think I don't know I suppose the last thing I've been thinking about recently is in realist fiction and there's just been so much stuff recently which I think is good kind of documenting women's experiences of mm. sexual violence or coercion or abuse and I think that's that's all really useful, but there's also part of me that really hopes that, like, the next step is actually thinking about how we can forge better relationships or what are the necessary social requirements for people to have a good relationship. Yeah, um, absolutely. Be that like friendship or romantic relationships or, or kind of whatever. Just yeah. to forge that mutual
1: respect and healthy communication and relationship between men and women you you know everyone is so different and it just to find a way that actually kind of helps both people move forward and yeah and it can be in any setting whether it's a realist setting or it's a
0: magical setting but yeah yeah I agree because I feel like there is some kind of use in that it's like a thought experiment like if you Mm. have to think about what's necessary for people to be able to get along, then you do kind of have to think about what things in society should change, how they should change. Yeah. And I think that's a useful thing to do. At the end of some of these books, there can be this feeling of inevitability, like the world is terrible yeah. and nothing you can do. <laughs> Sometimes Um, that's interesting. I mean, that can be interesting, but there is a point where you you sort of put it down and you think you "You had such a nice uh, cover and you're like total nihilism.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I found that reading 1984, you know, the ending is so awful and it's just so bleak and there's no escape. But I, for that kind of, I thought that worked. I thought it worked perfectly and it made you think so much and and it wrapped everything up really well. Like it was just awful, but it was so well done. And I think science fiction does that really well, but sometimes in stories it is good to read something that has that spark of hope at the end. Yeah. And that has that oh I went through this awful, awful story with these characters and I just want them to get their come up, and so I want them to have the support and love that they deserve at the end. And then to have a little bit of that at the yeah. end is a good thing. But to, I felt like I was left a little bit on a I don't know, just on a loose thread. I felt mm. like yeah, like you said, maybe there could be a, a prequel or like a or a, a second book to this novel, detailing it from someone else's perspective or. Mm. Something like that. I don't think I would read it, to be completely completely honest with you. This was a task to get through. But look, in saying that, I think Amelia Hart has the beginnings of a very good writer. I think she's going to, you know, she might take a while to find her feet in terms of writing a story that that sort of connects the characters into the world and develops a plot from that, and also, to I mean, I'm someone who, as a as a reader, I love the sort of the settings are great and the writing is always good. I, I'm always taken with writing that's very flowery or or quite descriptive and mm. that kind of thing. I found a lot of this book too descriptive and maybe too repetitive and some of the sort of metaphors like there were so many metaphors that it got a bit much at times yeah um and
0: they all seem to like forecast the plot as well so you just like yeah we get yeah, it like, i know that's gonna happen
1: like <laughs> and i know it happens
0: and yeah. you're like oh. you're like
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah something I, I do like in writing is a connection to the characters and to be honest, I don't think I had a very deep connection with any of the women at all. Mm. I I felt bad for them, obviously. You know, I just felt awful for the situation they had got themselves into, but I I wasn't really rooting for any of them besides perhaps Violet and the fact that she got her revenge in the end, that was kind yeah. of exciting. But um, yeah, I just felt a little bit detached from these characters and even Althea's story where she's writing in this journal, she's gone on trial for witchcraft, but then, you know, spoiler she doesn't get done for witchcraft and the reason behind that and yeah I was hoping for a little bit more from this to be honest but I think Amelia Hart has a good sort of starting point for future novels and I hope to read something else by her in the future Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I won't go into it with the same expectation of you know this is going to be sort of that magical realism where it's set in reality but then there's you know a bit of escapism and there's magic and and also the story is has some hope to it as well and it's not so graphically detailed about all this abuse and the terrible things that women go through because we know we watch the news and we read Mm. the newspapers and and sometimes you don't want to have to have that reiterated constantly through different timelines of this novel like uh, you know you get it it's women can be victims and women can fall prey to awful situations but it's like you said it's good to try and have something resolve like you know it's unfortunate that you've had this life experience but now you can find people who can support you who can Mm. respect you who can help you grow and you can work with those people whether that's a man or a friend or whoever you want these people to grow into themselves and to learn from these mistakes or cycles and not to judge them for what has happened to them obviously but to just yeah to see them really step into their own and become powerful and I think we saw that sort of at the end with Kate gaining her powers and summoning all these crows to attack her abusive ex-partner but like you said he will be out in two years maybe and she'll have to go to court and fight all these charges maybe he'll try Mm. and you know try and see her daughter or get the daughter taken away and then there's more awful things that could happen and shouldn't happen and yeah so it, it didn't feel as resolved as it could it just yeah it ended on a little bit of a sour note yes. for me, I think, agreed. which is unfortunate. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> and on that sour note, maybe yeah. we can also... no, I agreed. Yeah, I think yeah. that was my feeling of it as well. She has a lot of skill and talent as a writer. Definitely. Mm. I probably won't read what she does next, but – No, I don't think i will either. good luck to her. Yes. <laughs> cool. All Perfect. right. All right. So this is the part of the podcast where we talk about um, something cool that we've read recently or something that we're really excited about reading – to chuck it over to you, Griff. Have you read anything good recently or are you excited about something that's coming out soon or?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, (laughs) I think I've been in a bit of a slump recently with reading. It's been, you know, very busy and I haven't had a lot of time. But after reading this book, I kind of had this bit of a a feel and a need to read something good. Like I really needed to read a good book after that. So a color um, cleanser. To kind of cleanse <laughs> cleanse my mind of all that awfulness that I went through. So I've I started a book which has recently been released called Zen in the Garden. It's a non fiction book by a Japanese author. I think her name is Makoto Shinkai and she lives in she lives with her husband in Germany. So she moved from Japan to Germany to be with him and it's just about the seasons and her cycle with you know being in the garden and it's sort of like a mindfulness meditation almost and how some plants thrive and some die and so I wanted something to be you know not in the magical sense but in Mm. real world gardening and and a woman just kind of working with the seasons and how you'd be zen and just sort of find calm and her routine is she gets up really early every morning just before the sunrise and she walks barefoot across the grass in her garden and doesn't matter what the weather is if it's snowing or if it's raining and it's (laughs) ridiculous but yeah she'll go outside just for a bit and and it's just sort of her study about nature and its natural cycles and how things grow and bloom but then they wither and die and how it all just keeps going on and on and how she can sort of better support that so that's something I've been reading but something I'm really excited to read is a book by Samantha Shannon so she's a author she writes adult fiction but she also writes I think YA like young adult fiction and I've only ever read one of her books but the book that's just come out recently A Day of Fallen Night it's a sort of epic fantasy it's actually a prequel to the Priory of the Orange Tree. Oh yes, um, That's what and rings Yeah. So the Priory of the Orange Tree took me a while to get into, but once I got a few chapters in, it was like I just couldn't put that book down. It was, you know close to 800 pages. It's a very big tome it's of a, a tome. book. Yeah, we were thinking about excellent. reading
0: that one for the the, the prequel for the podcast. But we yeah, like, oh, seven hundred pages.
1: It's Can a large book. It's <laughs> huge. But I've I've got it. It's on my pile of. Books at home and I'm so excited to read it because I loved The Priory of the Orange Tree. It was so well written. The characters were just incredible. The the scenery and the world building was so rich and full and it had that magical element because it is a fantasy. So it is very set in this world of magic, but it also had very real and historical kind of world building as well, you know, around like queendoms and kingdoms. And I think my favourite thing was just the dragon aspect. Having dragons in a story is always a good thing for me, but yeah, this A Day of Fallen night has had really good reviews so far and I like that it's a prequel to the story that I've already read so I can kind of find out what happened to the characters you know hundreds of years prior to the ones in in the first book so yes I'm really excited to
0: read it oh nice they look really good actually remember when the Priory of the Orange it's just got such a beautiful cover and it does that striking orange cover with the big dragon
1: coiled up on the tower Yeah. yeah yeah but it's she writes really well I haven't read any of her other books. She's got other series like I think The Mask Falling and a few other ones. But yeah, I just, I really loved that book so much and I love the characters. Like the characters are just so well fleshed out and you just, you really feel for them and you want them to succeed and you're so interested in them. Even the ones who, you know, can be distasteful or, mm. or the ones who are technically supposed to be the villains, you kind of have a bit of an insight into why they're like that. Yeah. And yeah, I just I just love the whole Premise in the whole story. So I'm super excited for, cool. the, for the prequel. It looks really cool. And the cover, again, is like this amazing splash of colour with a dragon on the front. And it's like, oh,
0: that looks so cool.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, very excited for that one. Nice. And how about you? That Are you excited good.
0: for anything or anything I, coming up? Well, I've also been in a bit of a book slump, to be honest. I feel like yeah. I've read a lot of things, but I haven't read anything that's really... Excited me. Um, I read Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton. Oh, yes. Who, I really loved her previous novels, The Rehearsal and The, the Illuminaries. Oh, The Illuminaries, That's yes. The one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really liked that. And Burnham Wood, I guess, in keeping yeah. with today's theme, there's like another Shakespeare reference in there. It's like a real page turner. It's like a yeah. kind of thriller. Yeah. Um, I like those. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really well written. I don't know. I just felt like maybe something was missing a little bit. But it's incredibly well written. And Mm. she sort of writes all the characters have these long internal kind of monologues that feels like something you might read in a Jane Austen novel, except it's like – this eco thriller set in New Zealand. Yeah, so, wow. Yeah, she's really smart. I don't. That's I cool. just sort of read it and I just kind of think, oh, she's really clever. Yeah. Oh, she's very, very smart. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fun one to read. And another That's one I cool. read recently was called Hydra by Adrian Howe. Oh, yeah. It was one of the ones nominated for the Stella Prize, and essentially, it's about like a woman going berserk on the Mornington Peninsula oh, in yeah. in Victoria. So yes. she's sort of. It's an old navy base. There's kind of a mystery about. Odd happenings at night. She's moved into this very gothic stretch of land that's surrounded wow. by this naval base. I'll have
1: to read that. My friend works for the Navy and he was based in Mornington Peninsula. So yes, that, that sounds yeah. super interesting. I'll have to read that one. Yeah. That's
0: so, cool. so it's full of odd happenings. So yeah. I can't say anymore. I quite enjoyed it. I think the reviews were mixed, but it worked for me. Yeah. So, but I think things that I'm looking forward to reading. I think I've decided to take a bit of a break from contemporary fiction. Yes. And I want to try and read some more classics and some more sci-fi and fantasy. So I borrowed i don't even know how you pronounce it by samuel delaney oh yeah my friend said it's good so far i'm about cool. 50 pages in i don't know what's happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i'll stick it out and That's see how right. we go see how you go yeah. yeah and i'm also reading a book which i'm quite enjoying it's called future music it's a history of german post-war music that kind of gets called krautrock. rock so there's wow. a lot of german themes yeah in Definitely. our reading at the moment. so Yeah,
1: that's so interesting. There you go. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of – it's cool. It's sort of about German and I guess, the kind of 60s and 70s and the post-war kind of period. I think yeah, something that I – I lived in Germany for a little while, but I kind of don't know that much about really. Yeah. Yeah, but I was sort of thinking when you mentioned the German gardening. Yes. That Germans are really like hardcore about allotment gardening. Yeah. They, they have like really strict rules about how many – You know, fruit trees you can have versus how many flowers and stuff. Yeah. And we lived in the city that these little allotments, they're called Klein Gardens, were were kind of formed. And you can go for like little strolls through them during summer and spring. And they're really, really nice. But we had a friend who kind of rented one and, and was setting up her own. And she said you could make a kind of absurd comedy about the amount of bylaws and stuff you yep. have to do they're all kind of like run by committees and yes you know people have inherited them from their parents and stuff like that and they're yep. super hardcore yeah. about what wow. can be grown what can't be grown what colors you can use what like yeah. frames you can use and stuff like that she said she was reduced to tears in a public meeting once because oh. she was so frustrated over I don't know I think it was like a type of vegetable she wanted to plant oh yes, there was like yep. a vote. there was speakers for and against and she was still learning German at the time, so she was yeah. not entirely sure what was going on, yep. but she lost. So she, oh, vegetable she was trying to plant, she couldn't plant, yeah. and Aww. she was just very sad. But I was sort of listening to her going, that sounds awful, I'm very sympathetic, but the other part of me was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be interesting to read about German gardens. Yes. And, it
1: sounds yeah. like I've I'm nearly finished it, but it's, it's, yeah, it's meditations on Zen and this little, you know, lady who's obviously moved from Japan and how she's finding it. But they move outside of Munich after a while and that's that thing where they, she couldn't have a garden where she could grow mm. the things she wanted. And so when they move more into the countryside and she has more freedom in her lot to start growing stuff and just letting everything grow wild, it's really cool. It's really interesting the way the way she's viewing the world and and how she learns from all the mistakes from her garden and how she decides what to better to do next time and how she can make a thriving environment for Mm. for all the bees to pollinate and for birds to live and then you know flip on to somewhere else in the country and yeah it's it's really nice it's just kind of very relaxing so yeah Yeah, super nice
0: yeah (laughs) maybe I'll read that then yeah (laughs) Taking a break from contemporary fiction. Yes,
1: I think I might too. I think I need to take a break from contemporary fiction, which is why I will move on to fantasy next. Yeah. So, the day of Fallen Night, I'm super excited to just escape reality and to be like, yes, dragons and war. And it's exciting.
0: Maybe I should read that too, and then we can chat about it. That time. sounds good. That yes. sounds perfect. Let's yeah, do that. Let's I'm, do that. I'm, I'm okay. Excited. Excellent. That ticks all the boxes of perfect. things I want to read. Okay. Excellent. So, we have a tiny bit of industry news. So I don't know, brief if you've heard, but mm. for the first time in ten years, a book is facing a ban in Australia.
1: I did not know about this. I'm I was so fascinated. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean like, wow,
0: yeah. I think naively I sort of thought that maybe we didn't even really have book banning anymore. Yeah, me too. Or... I wasn't
1: sure if it existed anymore. But yeah, yeah, me It too. must have had some kind of you must have really Riled some people to be able to be considered, yeah, to be banned.
0: So, so this is sort of, yes, yeah, so I was reading about this. So, the book we're talking about is a graphic novel called Gender Queer, a Memoir. Its author is Maya Kababi. Hopefully, I've pronounced that right. And yeah, it's the first book in 10 years to face a ban in Australia. So, the book was imported from the States by a bookseller. It has a very small international publisher and it's not published locally, so it's an import. So initially it was widely distributed, a complaint was made, there was an initial review by the censorship board. I don't think that's what they're called, but that's what I'm I'm going to call them. And they found it was categorised as unrestricted. So there was no official kind of ban on it, but it was kind of recommended for readers 15 plus due to explicit sex scenes, which is what the author of the book had kind of, you know, had in mind the readership would be about 16 plus. This finding was then appealed. So it's going back to the board and I think quite admirably, in the absence of an Australian publisher who'll pay to have the book reviewed mm. instead of just being pulped, a Sydney bookseller called Kino Kuniya.
1: Yeah, Kino Kuniya, they're, they're like go- a Japanese bookseller <gasps> okay. and they have a big headquarters that are based in Sydney. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. So, wow. I thought it was really
0: great. They're actually paying for it to be reviewed. I think oh, the other option, okay. if they hadn't have paid for this, is mm. that the book would have just been pulped. Wow. And there so you go. it would have just become maybe it's not officially banned yeah. but you can't kind of import it because you can't bring it into the you country can't really you can't sell just it can't sell it yeah. here a, yeah. So what they're hoping wow. is that this second review will kind of have the same findings mm. as the first and they'll continue to be able to restrict it and so yeah. on. So I really I think it's really great that they're actually doing it. I really hope that the book makes it past the censors again. I know that mm. like internationally I think particularly in the States over the last year to 18 months, there's been like an unprecedented amount of books submitted for banning, taken off shelves in libraries and schools. Yes, I've heard that, yeah. Quite often with references to gay, lesbian, queer experiences, Mm non-binary experiences, so it seems like a pretty big, I guess, attack on people's sexualities and identities. So I really Mm. hope that this book gets through. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that people can find on their shelves. I think the book is sort of about the person's experience of coming out as a non-binary person. Mm. So I think that's kind of, we don't have enough books talking about these sorts of experiences. And I think
1: we need representation that encompasses that now more than ever because, you know, there are people who are finding themselves not sure who they are or what they want in life. And so it's nice to be able to find themselves kind of represented in a in a novel whether it's a graphic novel whether it's Mm -hmm. a just a written memoir or a biography and and to think hey you know that's that's me and to you know it helps to kind of create that sense of community and that sense of belonging for a person and it can really help them through tough times and and it brings about that you know that freedom of expression and the freedom of being who you are and you know why would we want to ban that like everyone is human we all have different lived experiences but it's yeah. good to kind of create that sense of yeah belonging for people and um yeah it's definitely more prevalent now more than ever so i hope they do review this book and that they can yeah can keep it on shelves for people to to find yeah really good.
0: agreed i think like books can be a portal into like finding a community as well and i definitely d- sort of think that we like you're saying, need more of that. So, apparently, mm-hmm. the finding was meant to come out on Monday at the time that we're recording this. I had a little squeeze yesterday. We're recording this on a Tuesday and couldn't find anything. So, hopefully, we'll keep you posted. I yes. guess we'll let you know next time. There were a couple of other things I thought were interesting. I thought it was really nice that the winner of this year's Stella Prize went to a poetry collection called The Jaguar by Sarah Holland Batt. I've read mm. some excerpts of her poetry from it, and it sounds so. Good. It's The language was like really kind of plain spoken. It wasn't kind yeah. of lyrical or, and it's, I think a lot of the poems are about her experience of caring for her father who mm. had dementia for a long period, I think for 17 years or so. Wow. So Yeah, it sounded really good. I heard yeah. her do a reading on a podcast or something and mm. I was just sort of like, usually I kind of think poetry, I think, oh, that sounds nice and I never read it. But yeah. this one, after I heard her do the reading, I was like, oh, that actually feels like, the way someone might talk to you. It felt yeah. sounded really conversational but full wow. of these like lovely images that unless you had an extremely clever friend, yes, you probably wouldn't hear in your everyday conversation. So, yeah, I thought that was really nice. And oh, to have awesome. something that feels like highbrow to me, poetry, but talking about the realities of care and yep. of ageing and of time, mm. I thought that was really sounded really good.
1: That does sound good.
0: So you can check that out. That's in the collection. And the last one was the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction was has two winners this year.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I was so fascinated. I'm like, yeah. what, well, it has two? Yeah, <laughs> I
0: know. The first one was Trust by Hernan Diaz, which is a novel about American tycoons, skullduggery, unreliable narrators, mm. multiple timelines. So... I heard someone refer to it as If You Think Succession is Good and I think it is very, very good, you might like this one. And the other one was Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver who I know is a popular author here at the mm. library and this was her reimagining of Charles Dickens' David Copperfield but set in the Appalachians of America. Oh, so wow. it sounds like a really good set environment for that kind of book. So Absolutely. Yeah, she's super popular here. I think the Poisonwood Bible is just on constant kind of loan Mm -hmm. so if you're keen and you've missed it you should check that one out too perfect all right I think we've done it we're good sounds good thank you so much for coming along Griffin it's been awesome having you on I hope you'll come back lots more in the future thank you
1: so Um, much Andrew thanks for having me I really enjoyed it so yes I hope I'll come back soon and find something else to read hopefully something I can talk about something that I've loved and been excited about that would be nice
0: (laughs) although sometimes like (laughs) talking about something you don't like is easier than talking about something you like. Sometimes yeah, you rock that's up true. and you're just like, oh, I just loved it. Everything was good. Yeah,
1: you're like, I can't pick it apart. And yeah, sometimes it's good if you have a bit of a bone to bear with it. You, ha- you can find things to chat about a bit more and also find the positive aspects too and think, yeah. oh, it wasn't all bad. You know, I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't all bad. And there yeah. were things to learn from it. And that's always good. That's, yeah, actually, you know, It's never it, wasted time then.
0: That's true. Yeah. And actually in the middle of talking to you, I was sort of reflecting like, oh, I actually, actually did do – these things here well and good so yeah yeah thank you so much for coming and <laughs> thank thanks you to everyone for listening we'll see you soon Take care. You. <laughs> bye <laughs> the city of Marion recognizes that the literary anything podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people and we recognize the Kaurna people as the traditional custodians of the land